0: Welcome to Real Estate of Mind, a Farbman Group podcast. Welcome to another edition of Real Estate of Mind. I'm Andy Gutman on behalf of the Farbman Group, and I have the honor and pleasure of sitting here today to interview James Reed, co-chair of the Compliance Department for Madden Hauser, one of the most uh, well-established and historic
1: firms uh, in Michigan. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. Excited to be here, and my children love your kids' books. <laughs> Thank you. So, James, great to have
0: you here. Uh, for the five people in the world who don't know who Madden Hauser is, can you tell us a little bit about the firm?
1: Sure. Uh, Madden Hauser has been around actually for 90 years. Wow. It started with Milton Madden and then Madden, Hauser, Roth, and Heller got together and we're focusing on a rebrand where we'll likely be called Madden Hauser, keeping it simple. And we specialize historically in real estate, but now employment law is our biggest practice area. And we also are a full business law firm where we also specialize in creditor rights, banking, and insurance defense.
0: Very nice, very nice. Thank you. So, James, you've been with Madden Hauser since you were a law clerk. That's how you started out. That's how I met you initially, and um, you were always this really nice young guy who um, did great work for us. But you've had an incredibly meteoric rise to the top of the firm, um, doing incredible things. I, I want you to tell all the listeners uh, how you you know how you broke all the rules of of uh, rising to the top and and crush the learning curves associated with it to be who you are today. I mean, it's, it's an impressive story and it speaks volumes about how great of an attorney you are, how caring you are about your clients. And, uh, and I'm gonna stop talking about that and let you dive in and, and tell everyone about that. Yeah,
1: thanks Andy for the kind words. I've always tried to be a sponge. And I greatly appreciated the entrepreneurial spirit Madden Hauser had by allowing me to have interactions with Andy and other people at Farming Groups such early on in my career. Uh, you were so kind to welcome me on your softball team. So I was able to play tennis and softball with not only um, you, but other clients as well. All right, James, let's stop you there, because on the softball team, are you the reason
0: that we were <laughs> banished from softball for? I, I may be part of that Is reason. That I it? was okay. on the last team that we had. <laughs> that was our last team. Uh,
1: I learned how to focus on my strengths. Okay. And uh, then switched to um, developing relationships through tennis and even running and cycling and other sports, and as well as... I was lucky to have the 2008 downturn, although that was horrible for the real estate market and the economy for someone trying to become an up and coming employment attorney. uh, Every company needed someone to help right size the company to survive in that next generation. And I was able to get one-on-one client experience directly at a very early on in my career. And through all that experience in developing client relationships, I was very comfortable going out and developing new relationships. And I think you can't be stagnant and just solely count on word of mouth to rise a firm. You actually have to go and become known and develop your brand. And while our brand was primarily real estate at the time, I was trying to explain how we have this great employment team and give me something small, maybe just an audit of your handbook or your employment documents or a company training. And by giving clients that experience, I was very quickly able to get a second chance at bat and kind of move that relationship to second base, third base. And what I call a home run is cross marketing that client when they identify needs where they may need other services such as real estate, estate planning, or insurance defense.
0: And that's a great thing. I think there's a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on real briefly. One, you know, the economic downturn. Thankfully it's it's so far in the rear view mirror for most people. Uh, but what a great training ground for whether it was commercial real estate, law, wherever you were at that time, if you could survive and even thrive in that environment, you can survive through anything. And that's I think that's a great learning curve. I always tell our real estate people, you know, you got a lesson that very few people will ever ever get again. So I, I you know I commend you on not only being able to start your career doing that, but to make it a a thriving part of your practice during one of the toughest times ever. Thank
1: you. Those survival instincts, I think, made me become a originator. I didn't always plan when I was a clerk to solely focus on bringing in a bunch of clients and having my own clients to work on until I kind of was forced into it where you have to survive. Right. And, you know, the second thing that I think is unique about you,
0: because many times people who um, develop business, whether on the side of, you know, a law firm or, a general business developer, salespeople in general, really focus on just that one branch for the client. And you have this natural tendency and ability to say, what else does the client need? And sometimes it's within your law firm because you're very good at saying, you know, we really should connect you with so-and-so in the law firm, not as a self-serving tool, but in the best interest of the client.
1: That's right. I'm the first one to say our firm doesn't do this area and here's a referral as well the The benefit that I had, being a law clerk, is actually everyone in the firm was my boss at some point in time, and we <laughs> had a mentorship program where I had to work in every practice area. So I am able to see the chessboard, and I'm also a chess geek at that's, heart, and that helps uh, advise my clients in the right direction.
0: That's really cool. And the other piece of it, though, is I think your you know your networking portion of it allows you to see beyond their needs, just at the law firm, and. I know you make it a habit where you connect clients to other needs that they may have. You seem to know everybody in every industry. And I think that's a really great thing to be able to think outside the box and not just what you can do that's at an hourly rate, but what other value-add services you can provide for them.
1: Yeah, I think that I learned early on in my career, even though somewhat by mistake, even though I tried to go after the target audience, which are decision-makers in a company, I learned that the great salespeople and other vendors aren't really salespeople at all. They're people that know how to do a needs analysis and develop relationships and give genuine leads, especially when it's not for their own firm. And by being around those people at various networking events, I was able to learn through living it on how to develop the most sincere relationships. And if you really want to sell, you can't tell people what they need. You have to educate them enough to come to their own conclusions.
0: Very nice. James, you talk to me from time to time about the preventative audit that you do with clients. And I don't know if our cli- if our listeners all know what that means to them. T- tell us what you mean when you talk about a preventative audit for your clients.
1: Yeah, it's like when an employee complains to the boss, you appreciate their communication, but you'd rather they come to you with a solution instead of just the problem. So when I'm active in litigation, The clients like it when we win, but they aren't happy because they're stuck in litigation in the first place. Right. So I thought the best way to add value is to share the issues I'm seeing in the industries and try to prevent the problems from happening in the first place doing a preventative audit, whether that's updating contracts, updating employee handbooks, or providing management and executive training so they know how to spot the issues and work through them. Very nice. And I would imagine your clients
0: appreciate that, that proactive approach to things because uh, they at least can see all the way down the field and that they, they get to see the whole field instead of just part of it and the end game makes sense for them.
1: When I identify strategies to avoid litigation, they realize I'm not in it for myself and I'm trying to help them make the best economical decisions as well.
0: And, and that's a nice touch too, which I think is rare because it's not about the hourly billings, it's about the long-term relationship I think that's so important in all of business, but really important with your lawyers as well that uh, you know you're thinking about I want to be their lawyer for their entire company's history and not um, it's just going to me one and done.
1: Yeah, I have a 30-year career left at least, hopefully <laughs> at least, and I would love the opportunity to, to have a positive experience so that we continue the relationship. That's great.
0: So while we're on it, what
1: other hot topics are there
0: And human resources right now that you want to talk about today?
1: Sure. So the hot topics always, but more so now than ever, are drugs, money, and sex. (laughs) And with recreational marijuana and the new regulations coming out in December, uh, companies have to decide if they're going to have, you know, two drink tickets and two brownie tickets for their holiday parties Um, or what their policy is on drug testing in general, if any, especially with an all-time job shortage. Uh, people are skipping the drug testing for applicants. and Are they really now? Only doing it, for, if there's reasonable suspicion, at least 90% of the companies across the board. Uh, regarding sex, for the first time in the last 10 years, sexual harassment claims were the number one claim over um, race discrimination and religion, age, any other protected class. And Why do you think that is? A large part is the Me Too movement is one of the biggest employment law movements in the last several decades and employees are more encouraged to communicate about skeletons in the closet and issues that they've had. And recent studies have shown that 60% of employees have had a romantic relationship in the workplace at some point Mm. and 19% have had marital affairs. Wow. And eventually when an employee is separated for any reason, they sometimes think it was unfair. And rather than hold themselves accountable, maybe the manager didn't identify the reasons for the separation, they may assume a protected class such as that relationship or some other protected class was why they were treated unfairly. So my goal is to allow managers and executives to give appropriate coaching and feedback to employees so when there is an adverse action or separation, they aren't made to believe it was for an inappropriate or unfair reason. And I think the main issue that I'm seeing for 2020 involving money is that there's a new exempt salary threshold It's going up $12,000 a year. So essentially the $455 a week, which is around $24,000, is going up closer to $37,000. And companies are going to decide whether or not to reclassify employees as hourly and pay overtime if they have duties where they're supervising two or more employees or essentially in management or above, or they're going to pay them a salary and increase their salary to the extent it's at that lower threshold. And the biggest employment issues I'm seeing are people identify one issue, but don't see the overlapping laws. And there are so many overlapping laws, whether it's state law to federal law, to local city or township ordinance, and also, just because you spot a Family Medical Leave Act issue, did you also see the Paid Michigan Medical Leave Act issue? Did you also do a, an American with Disabilities Act analysis or Michigan Persons with Civil Rights Act? So there's various uh, analysis that you need to do that I think without sufficient training and calling an expert, uh, you're playing in a dangerous landmine.
0: And, and the issues you talk about, that I mean, it sounds like something that if companies are smart, they're checking with you in advance. You do a lot of speaking on these topics as well, correct?
1: I speak at least once every single week, and part of it is in my nonprofit volunteer role. I've been appointed the director of Michigan SHRM, and I like to give back and provide human resource training about all the lessons that I've learned along the way. And also, it'll allow employees to minimize liabilities by hopefully spotting the issues and knowing when to uh, seek help. And that's a great thing. It's good you're
0: getting out there because it sounds like there are so many trapdoors that uh, employers can fall into.
1: There are so many trapdoors. It doesn't matter if there's a Democratic or Republican president. Anytime there's change, there are new issues to deal with.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate that.
1: And I just wanted to close by saying, many companies see discrimination as a negative, And it is very negative when it's illegal discrimination. But I think we need to kind of change the norm. And we need to favor our employees that work harder or that are doing better results and are being smarter. And we need to educate our employees and make decisions for legitimate business and fairness reasons. And I think by focusing on the job duties and how to make change, most conflict is actually healthy. If you are too comfortable and stable you're not coming up with the next idea and challenging management and I assume Andy you want people to come to you with fresh ideas Absolutely. and you're always prepared to change as I love uh, your, your tune-up idea <laughs> thank you
0: well, I appreciate the plug for our tune-up program
1: which of course
0: we're out there right now doing the tune-up uh, helping people understand their real estate and getting out in front of people, it's absolutely free. We will check under the hood of your real estate and help you out, so I appreciate that plug. Um, I think you make a good point, though, with uh, employers. You know, its uh, we believe heavily in, in non-discrimination when it comes to employees, but we always tell our employees, you know, I used to say I don't play favorites with employees, and now I've changed that in my career and saying I do play favorites. If you work hard, you work smart, mm-hmm. you are looking out for the best interest of the company first, you are not creating drama. Uh, within the organization but trying to make positive change those are our favorite employees and we want them to succeed and we want them to do well Um, you know and i think that's that's okay for employers to want that Um, we're big believers in trying to change the behavior of our employees when it's not working our goal is never to fire and good organizations try not to do that our goal is to change the behavior that's not productive to the organization and make them succeed and look out for their best interest and i think with guidance from strong experts like you james we you know we all can do a little better and i hope that when our listeners hear this they understand the value because when you when you bring up some of the t- topics that you're dealing with nowadays whether it's the cannabis industry which is very confusing to all of us especially in real estate exactly. or issues of sexual harassment which employers want people to tell them if there's issues harming them in the workplace but getting the guidance as an employer, how to spot that, how to look out for it, how to set policies that protect us from that even occurring. That's where you come in and it's amazing. Right, regardless
1: of the legal benefit, if you can make employees happy to be at work and feel a purpose, you can increase productivity by as high as 50%.
0: That's an amazing statement. I mean, that is a huge jump and hopefully people will be reaching out to you to talk more about this. James, let's talk about for a quick second how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you?
1: Sure. Well, the first call is always free. And uh, <laughs> my direct dial is 248-351-7060. And my email address is jreid at maddenhauser.com, J-R-E-I-D at maddinhause
0: Really appreciate that. I want to also thank, you know, we've had the pleasure of knowing Maddenhauser far beyond my career, it dates back to, uh, you know, Burt Farbman and Mickey Madden um, and, uh, you know, Mark Hauser, Steve Salin. You've got amazing counsel there on, site. So I could keep going forever. Um, great firm, we can't give enough props to you guys for what you do in the community. And James, I, you know, I wanna say one last time how impressive uh, your rise has been. And uh, knowing that you have a huge career ahead of you still all that you've accomplished is simply astounding. You should be really proud of that, and I'm proud to interview you today.
1: Well, oh, thank you. I'm grateful for the mentorship I've had along the years and appreciate the ability to uh, grow as uh, the needs arise and as you show you're ready. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me, and go green.
0: <laughs> go white. Join us next time for another wonderful edition of Real Estate of Mind, a Farman Group podcast.